Welcome, and let's First Talk Compliance. I'm Catherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow First Healthcare Compliance on Twitter at FirstHCC or on Facebook and Instagram at First Healthcare Compliance or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. On today's episode, I'm talking to Trey Scott, attorney at Kennedy Attorneys and Counselors at Law, a health law boutique in Dallas, Texas, about Good With God, an overview of Stark, Anti-Kickback, and False Claims Act. We will discuss these matters, such as definitions, safe harbors, and the understanding of penalties for violations and exceptions and safe harbors. Trey received his Bachelor of Science and MBA degrees from Texas Tech University at Lubbock. Trey received his JD degree from Texas Wesleyan University School of Law in 2012. He also interned with the 106th District Court of Texas in La Mesa, Texas in 2010. In private practice, he has worked with medical practitioners on meaningful use appeals, matters involving the National Practitioner Data Bank, Medicare Medicaid investigations, wage and hour lawsuits, contract litigation, payer postpayment audits and appeals, government surveys, appeals, and compliance. Mr. Scott is licensed in Texas and currently focuses his practice on health law and healthcare regulatory compliance, as well as administrative law and civil litigation. Since joining Kennedy in 2015, he has assisted clients in civil and administrative litigation, payment and reimbursement appeals before professional licensing boards, regulatory licensure filings and compliance, fraud and abuse defense, employment law, transactional issues, and other provider matters. So Trey, welcome to First Talk Compliance. Thanks for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to jump on and uh, talk with you about this very complicated uh, subject. Yes, I'm sure as a as a health law attorney, you have some experience with fraud and abuse and waste. Can you tell me a little bit more about what each of those is, what fraud is, for example? Now, fraud, Medicare fraud involves knowingly submitting or causing to be submitted false claims or making representation making representations of fact to obtain a federal health care payment for which no entitlement would otherwise exist, Uh, knowingly soliciting, receiving, offering, and or paying remuneration to induce induce or reward referrals for items or services reimbursed by federal health care programs or making prohibited referrals for certain designated health services. So there's there's a lot, a lot there and there's a lot that could actually be uh, a lot that can actually be fraud. Now abuse is I guess if you're looking at things on a scale uh, there would be fraud is up at the top, then there's abuse in the middle, and then there's waste down at the bottom. Abuse is pra- uh, practices that directly or indirectly result in unnecessary cost to the Medicare program. An example of this is similar to billing for unnecessary medical services, charging excessively for services or supplies, misusing codes on a claim, such as upcoding or unbundling codes, and then you have waste. 
which waste is the odor, overutilization of services or other practices. And they can, they're generally not considered uh, to be criminal, uh, criminally negligent actions, but the it is a result of the misuse of, of resources. Now, what laws govern fraud and abuse? There are actually several uh, several laws that govern uh, fraud and abuse, and that's kind of that's kind of where we went with the title. Um, I'm not sure if uh, you know. There's a band out there called the Old 97s. They're actually from uh, Dallas, Texas, and they've been been around for quite uh, quite some time. And one of their songs off of their newest album is called Good With God. And over the course of the song, this guy is saying he's, he's good with God. He has some, uh, he has some problems. He has some sin, but, but he's pretty sure he's, he's pretty sure he's okay. Well, at the end of the song, he's finally just says, well, we'll essentially just have to wait and see if I'm, if I'm okay. That's that's kind of how these laws go here. You don't want to end up in a situation where you just wait and see if if these laws apply and I'll get I'll get to that um further uh whenever I talk about talk about recommendations, but the first law out there is the False Claims Act or the FCA. And this the purpose of the FCA uh, is to allegedly protect the federal government from being overcharged or sold substandard good, goods or services. Now, the FCA states that anyone that knowingly presents or causes to be presented a false or fraudulent claim for payment or approval is subject to a monetary penalty plus three times the amount of damages which the government sustains uh, act of this person. So this can end up being very, very costly for a provider that uh, submits a false claims, submits a false claim. So essentially, if you're found to have violated the FCA, uh, you can face up to um and these are 2016 uh 2016 figures uh the 2007 uh 2018 figures I apologize I believe are actually higher so uh we'll just we'll just go with this number because this is uh what CMS recently produced if you submit a false claim and you were found to have violated the false claims act you're facing a $21,563 penalty per claim. So essentially, if they found you violated the False Claims Act three times, then that's 21000 plus per claim. So you're, you're, looking, you're looking at a lot of money. And then you could be liable for treble damages to the government. So that's three times the amount. So it, it can get it can get pretty pretty expensive um Ouch. the next the next law is one that everyone 
everyone has probably heard about and what uh, you probably get asked a lot about um, on this show is uh, the anti-kickback statute. And that, uh, the anti-kickback statute prohibits the knowing and willful solicitation, offer, payment, or acceptance of any remuneration, including any kickback, bribe, or rebate, directly or indirectly, overtly or covertly, in cash or kind, for referring an individual for a service or item covered by a federal health care program, or for purchasing, leasing, ordering, or arranging for or uh, recommending the purchase, lease, or order of any good facility, service, or item under a federal health care program. Now, that's a lot mm-hmm. to take in. I was just going to say, it, what, it, yeah, what, if you boiled that down into like a few words, what would that be? If you boiled it down into a few words, it's essentially the anti uh, the anti kickback statute prohibits getting any sort of payment for referring patients for for services. So okay. an example an example of that would be uh, you have a childhood you have a childhood friend and you are uh, you are both in the healthcare uh, healthcare practice. And uh-huh. um, you come to him and you're just like, hey, if you refer me five patients uh, this next within the next month, I'll give I'll give you a um, I'll give you a watch. Well, unfortunately, that is a that is a kickback because it is for the knowing and willful payment of getting a patient. So that that is a, a kickback. And then finally, the last law governing all fraud and abuse is the Stark Law. Now, Stark is essentially the limitation on certain ref, uh, physician referrals. It essentially prevents a physician uh, or immediate family member of a physician that has a financial relationship uh, from making a referral to an entity that physician has a rela- uh, has a relationship with, so essentially, it's it's prohibiting self referrals. Okay. And right. it also uh, it also has some pretty uh, pretty stiff penalties. Uh, the penalties uh, in it, if you're found to violate uh, the Stark Law, then there's a fine of $23,863 for each service. And you can also be excluded from the, you can also be excluded from participation in the, in any federal health care program. So it's, it's pretty steep. Well, let's talk about more about kickback. So what is a kickback more? Is food a kickback as in lunches from Subway or Panera Bread? Is a Rolex a kickback? I mean, what exactly well, is a kickback? If we talk more about it, one one thing that most that most physicians, healthcare providers deal with, they they normally get uh, free lunches from uh, from vendors. Now, as you know, uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch because the vendors are wanting um, the vendors are wanting something in return. They're wanting they're wanting business, and so that. That somewhat creates a conflict of uh, conflict of interest. Now, right. as far as as far as lunch, nominal meals 
that are provided during a business meeting are not con- uh, not considered gifts. They're not considered um, remuner- uh, remuneration normally. But I always have to say this caveat. I always have to say it depends. Your definition, my definition, other healthcare attorneys' definitions of what a uh, what a kickback uh, what a kickback is that really doesn't matter because ultimately the only definition the only uh, decision as to what a kickback is is up to the uh, Office of Inspector General and Department of Justice uh, that are investigating uh, anti kickback matters their decision as to whether uh, something meets a kickback um, that's that's the decision that you go by and unfortunately there there are cases out there where they where most most of the cases out there that the Department of Justice and the Office of Inspector General list on their website most of them involve millions of dollars in kickbacks and um and false claims so yes there's obviously that but one thing that the Office of Inspector General does that we highly we highly recommend is they have an oper- uh they have a portal for you to submit advisory uh submit a request for an advisory opinion this essentially allows you to ask the uh office of inspector general if what you were doing is okay as long as our recommendation is before you do it, you ask for the advisory opinion because if you're letting if you're letting the office of inspector general know, hey, this is what we're doing, and we want to know if it's okay, you've kind of just put a target on your back. Uh, but if you do it beforehand, then then that provides you a answer. And the advisory opinions, they have a search a search function so you can go through there and search and find out what what they've said in previous in previous cases. Hmm. Okay. So so to answer your question, it depends. And that's a that's a very that's a very attorney answer. I I know, but it's for for healthcare providers, that's the that's the safe uh the safe answer because ultimately your your definition of what is a kickback isn't the one that matters. Hmm. Seems kind of complicated if you're going to be accepting a <laughs> when you're deciding if you're going to accept a breakfast of bagels and cream cheese or something yes. from from a yes. vendor. <laughs> it it is it is very it is very it is very complicated and it's uh essentially the best answer uh the best advice for providers is to just refuse any sort of refuse any sort of payment i know that may not make office staff happy because office staff enjoys donuts they enjoy sandwiches what whatever the uh, whatever the vendor brings in but just just to be safe it's better to uh better to say no Right, better safe than sorry, right? Yes, yes, especially considering the fines the fines we talked about and I True. glossed over uh, I glossed over the the anti-kickback uh penalties and they're they're pretty they're pretty serious. The anti-kickback 
statute says that um, you may face penalties, and this again is 2016 figures, you may face penalties of up to $73,586 per kickback and then and then treble damages. So if you get in a situation where you have a, uh, say you were provided a $50 lunch for, um, or $50 uh, $50 cash per patient you refer, is that $50 really worth $73,000? So that's, that's another, and that's another way to look at it. So then what happens when you have a childhood friend that's especially, and you refer patients to her, but then what if you're giving gifts to her, but you, but it's as a friend, like that's a fine line. So what, what, how do you define those lines? Between friendship and business, how do you? That's that's a uh, com, that's a very complicated complicated question, and how you would how you would um, phrase it essentially, in in my opinion, and uh, it should be noted that for those for those out there, this is this is a discussion. This is obviously not not legal. Um, advice to anyone out uh, anyone out there doing doing this, uh, but it's you you the intent of the gift, the intent of the payment is uh, really really matters uh, matters here because it's the anti kickback statute. If you remember, it says prohibits the knowing and willful solicitation for getting. Patience. So this, the gift you give your friend, that isn't for the knowing and willful uh, solicitation of of getting of getting a patient. It's the reason you're do the, doing this is you have you have uh, your childhood friends. You you grew up together. You've lived down the right. street, et cetera, et cetera. It's not for the it's not for the solicitation of patients. Now, if you had a childhood friend, and we go back to the example I said earlier, where you refer me five patients in a month, and I'll get you a new watch. Yes, that that would be that would be a kickback. But Christmas gifts um, that are given just because you are friends, in my opinion, would not it would not be a kickback. Okay, so maybe holding on to that card where you said Denise. It's always been lovely being your friend and have a, I hope you have a lovely birthday, that kind of thing. Right, right. right. Yes. Hold, hold, holding on to the card. And also uh, it wouldn't hurt, it wouldn't hurt to document, document the relationship saying that you, you friends, you've known this person because if, if an investigation occurs, then you can produce the document, produce file and say, here's, Here's our relationship. Here's what what we've what we've done. So, mm-hmm. but here's one thing to think about: it's not going to be a kickback if, say, you're a dentist and your friend is a uh, primary care physician, and you don't refer patients to each other. You can give all the gifts you want. You're not referring patients to each uh, each other. The only time this comes into play. Is whenever your, uh, whenever your friends you're giving uh, and you're giving gifts and you're referring patients. So 
need to need to make sure uh you're you're aware of that. If there's no referring going on, then you're fine. Oh, interesting. Okay. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance, and my guest today is Trey Scott, attorney at Kennedy Attorneys and Counselors at Law. So, so this is very interesting. So, do we have any exceptions to this? Uh, yes, yes, we do. Um, as I as I mentioned, there are uh, there are safe harbors to that anti kickback, and safe harbors essentially that means that it's it's safe. It's okay to do this, and uh, these were established by established by the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, and um, essentially, safe harbors are uh, investment interest, uh, space rental, equipment rental, uh, the sale of a uh, sale of a practice, uh, referral services, which obviously a referral service would be your you have a service that contacts uh, and provides uh, patients, warranties, discounts, group group purchasing organizations. There's a lot of safe harbors, and uh, you can find those. You can find those essentially by going to your browser and googling uh, googling safe harbors. As far as the False uh, False Claims Act, uh, there is an exception uh, to it somewhat. Um, there's a provision in the statute that says the provider or supplier that is responsible for a violation of the False Claims Act provides to the appropriate officials all information known about the false claims within 30 days of date of discovery and the provider or supplier continues to fully cooperate with any investigation, and no criminal, civil, or administrative actions have taken place with the respect to the false claim, uh, the court may lower the amount owed to the government. So essentially, this is where this is where um, compliance programs within your organization are very important. Because if you have compliance programs within your organization and you find out that you knowingly submitted a false claims, uh, a false claim, then you immediately need to report it within 30 days of the date of discovery and you would cooperate with any investigation. Then when sentencing occurs, uh, the court would essentially reduce the amount owed from three times the amount of damages to two times the amount of damages. So that is a that is a saving and it is a provision within the within the statute that that allows that allows that. So again compliance programs like those offered by uh first healthcare are important. Mm-hmm. And then there are general exceptions to Stark Law as well uh, for physicians, uh, physician services, in-office ancillary services, prepaid plans, or other uh, permissible uh, exceptions. So there, there are exceptions to Stark Law, uh, Stark Law as as well. Uh, my recommendation, and I'm going back to the advisory opinion. If you're wondering if you may have a safe harbor or you want to establish a safe harbor, again, ask for an advisory opinion on it or potentially research previous advisory opinions to see if the 
to see if the OIG has uh, stated something stated something about that in the past. What do you recommend providers do regarding these exceptions, as in whether they they meet the exceptions? That's that would be that would be getting getting an advisory getting an advisory oh, opinion okay. from um, getting an advisory opinion from the OIG. Okay, got it. Do you have any Do you have any more advice for us or closing thoughts on these matters? Well, um, as far as as far as closing remarks, uh, remember uh, that it's it's important to it's important to know that your definition of a kickback that's that's or a violation of stark law or a false claim that's while important and in it's important to establish compliance programs that identify those uh the ultimate decision the ultimate determination uh is with is with the Department of Justice and OIG, like like the song says. You don't, or the song I mentioned earlier. Um, you you may think you're okay. You may think that everything is going fine, but the ultimate decision is with the Department of Justice and the OIG. So definitely, definitely be on your toes and seek seek advisory opinions from the Office of Inspector General. But really, before you set up before you set up anything uh, it it'll come in it'll come in handy in the long run it is somewhat of a lengthy process so i can understand the frustration with a uh, delay but it it can be a lifesaver it can end up saving in some of these some of these cases it can end up saving um uh, saving millions of dollars because in 2000 in 2012 Walgreens got involved in a pretty high profile anti kickback case because they they were even though they admitted no wrongdoing uh they and settled for 7.9 million they were giving medicare and medicaid beneficiaries gift cards to gift cards to i believe Walgreens or maybe maybe some other stores for transferring their transferring their prescriptions from elsewhere to Walgreens had Walgreens sought an advisory opinion from the Office of Inspector General, they may not have had to fork out seven point nine million dollars. So definitely, definitely seek advisory advisory opinions. That's that's what I would say in my closing remarks. Good advice. Okay, well, thank you so much, Trey, for for joining us here. Really appreciate it. Some great advice and a really wonderful conversation. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, and thanks for our audience for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. And you can learn about more about our show on the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com, and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at First HCC or hashtag First Talk Compliance. You can also email me at Catherine Short at firsthcc.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. And remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.